This is Akafe. Laura Marie and Jessica Marie proudly present A Court of Fandoms and Exploration, a podcast. Fair warning, everything the hosts say is explicit, full of spoilers and adult content and shall not be used against them. They have opinions. Let's try not to drag anyone for expressing themselves and just have fun for an hour. We all deserve it. This episode contains spoilers from the world Sarah J. Mass has created. For any additional information, please see show notes. and welcome to A Court of Fandoms and Exploration, your weekly deep dive into the YA literature and fandoms that we love. I'm Laura Marie. And I'm Jessica Marie. And today we are revisiting A Court of Mist and Fury by Sarah J. Mass because we are celebrating our 100th episode. And I know we've had like bonus episodes and special guest episodes. So we do have over a hundred episodes, which is already so wild. But numerically, this is our official 100th episode. And Laura came up with this great idea to revisit it. Um, we, you know, since the last time we did, the last time we chatted about it, I hadn't read Throne of Glass. Akasif wasn't out. Hosab wasn't out. Um, and this is just going to be really fun. It's all the spoilers, all the discussions, and kind of see where we've grown. Um, this is the book that is the reason we started the podcast. Even though our first bookish episode is Crescent City, this is the one that kind of propelled everything into motion. And and just to kind of set the stage here, I I kind of I kind of made you read Akatar, right? <laughs> Um, and then we, it was like during COVID and we had like this, this window of time when COVID wasn't as terrible as it was going to be. And we got together and you were still reading it and you had your, your revelation kind of about Reese. So many revelations. And I mean, we have, we do have another math episode that is again, our initial one, but even from the time of then to now and the growth you we are as people i have been laura has been so patient this week she's like i want all the live reactions i want everything and i go it's gonna get excessive and she's like i want it all and she's like this is this is why we read we reread things to see the growth that we have because even the things that i took away this read emotionally drained in a whole different capacity than the first time that i had read it and I want to hear all about that because I had kind of like, I had a weird, I had a weird experience and I, I want to hear kind of what you gleaned from this reread before I go into my experience. Cause I'll oh, see the fact that you said it was weird. I'm already thinking maybe my experience this time is similar to Again, you had mentioned it in the first Akamath episode where you used to read this as like a yearly thing. Um, you're like, I read Akamath when I want to feel strong as a reminder to, fe- to, to be strong. And I didn't understand the context because at that point I had only read Akamath once, you know, and then even now I really felt like 
with all the content that's out there between Bookstagram and BookTok and different book communities, you're constantly on this high where you're like, I don't need a reread yet. I don't need a reread yet. Um, so it was kind of living in that and all the added characteristics that we've given we as a community have given these characters so much. And also what we've learned since, again, two full books that she's released since. Okay, you just hit the nail nail on the head. You really, you really did about why this reread was kind of kind of weird for me. And it and, and it's kind of twofold. Okay. Um it is because oh this might be a hot take. Um we are oversaturated with content about Akatar and we have given them these extended lives and these extended personalities. And we have strayed in that. I'm not going to say pretty far from the book because like, I mean, we all kind of like stay in the spirit of, but like, that's not who they are. Right. Those storylines that we give them don't exist really. Like if you, we have to like, what is on paper is what is on paper. And everything else we can love and, like, have in our hearts and stuff. But, like, just reading it out is different. And it it was kind of – it was kind of weird just to piggyback off of that because the oversaturation has led to so many different theories. And those theories – because even though I actively avoid them, I still – still hear them. I still am aware of them. I'm still like interacting with them. So this reread, I'm going to say it, I'm going to say it, was not as enjoyable. No. It was not as enjoyable because, and there's a reason, because there's two reasons. The series is not done, right? right? Crescent City and the series are not done. So now these wonderful books that were considered like foundational books are now essentially travel books until the series is complete, right? Because until the series is complete, Crescent City and Akatar, we don't know what's going on. So now these rereads that used to be very enjoyable, that used to have this deep emotional impact have become, let's tear this apart and search for the clues. So that, that mindset, even though that's not the mindset that I went into for this reread, is how I began it. And I know that because my opening line is, damn, Farah, that's an emo opening. <laughs> and when would I ever have said that like really because like that opening sentence is when she's like going through her trauma and her dream you're just like oh damn gut punch oh damn like we're really in the trenches like we're really like depressed but like this one because of all of all of this other crap that has clouded the story i was just like dang you gonna paint about it and have those paintings be shitty <laughs> you know that has to, I didn't even I didn't even go down that route because this was my first reread. That being said, though, prior to this, and which is great, we love that everybody's reading. It's so wonderful. But 
for the longest time, you were in the trenches by yourself, scraping for morsels of anything in the fandom outside of Tumblr, basically, because you got into this as the, you know, as it was being released, as they were looking for, you know, it was very, I mean, it's still a very niche community, but that experience for you in your first reread when you were very much alone and none of us, none of your friends were willing to, we were like, okay, fairy, okay. Uh, we're, we weren't there with you supporting you. So sorry, by the way. Um, you, you kind of, got to hold on and clutch onto that a little bit more and a little bit harder because there was nobody else at that time. So that's not to say that like, we don't love all of this. Like, obviously we love all of this. We love people reading. We love the content, everything. I am just saying like, for me personally, that was very much invested. Like Mist and Fury is my favorite out of the series, obviously. Um, But to have to, I say have to, but looking for the crumbs right? Yeah. Now, th- now that we know that the worlds are interconnected, now that we know that Sarah isn't just a lazy writer, now that we know that she's doing this on purpose and that everything is tied together, now that we know that and we all accept that, I, it, it's become proving the theories and finding the clues instead of um, Farah's journey. Although my second point at the very beginning that I said I was going to make is now. And all of that to say, 54, I was still in tears. Parts of 55, the attack in Valaris, I was in tears. The cauldron, I was in tears. Like So, so even though um, my reading experience was diminished by the introduction of picking everything apart and looking for these clues instead of the story... I was still deeply sucked into the story where it mattered. And I feel like that's a credit to the writing, even though people shit on it all the time. And even though no is not the best and there's a lot of unleashing, um, I was still very much sucked in. And I, that that is a credit to everything. Well, I think people can pick up, pick apart other people's writing all they want. I, sometimes I, I just... If it evokes emotion, that's where I think it's if it evokes emotion, I think that's the best thing that you can take away from a book. Um, I do have a question and it might be controversial um, where you're saying that where it comes to picking things apart. And maybe we've maybe we've talked about this on a previous episode. Do you feel like. Now, with all the theories, sometimes the theories become so outlandish, myself included, but I'm not trying to be right. I was just trying to like going off on a complete tangent for something that we had texted about. And maybe we'll bring it up later in the episode. Do you think that it becomes a competition of, well, this is my theory. This is my theory. Oh, now we're just creating these crazy outlandish grasping at the stars theories in hopes that one of them is right and then we could be like oh see i told you so yes yeah and but i feel i feel this way though uh with the azrael and elaine and azrael okay. like i that whole ship war i i feel like it's just like deeply detrimental because it because it is a very toxic thing 
Well, I mean, you made a really good TikTok about just like you aren't actively participating necessarily in theories and theories because you're like, we fight over so much already. And, you know, as much as there are people who can have respectful, you know, conversations and discourse, there's also people who cannot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there, there's a lot of people that cannot. And, you know, that, that's, that's fine. And like, that's, that's not us. Uh, we, we absolutely can have a respectful conversation. And what I would like to know though, is, um, just how, how, and maybe this will make people mad. How do people defend Tamlin? What do you mean? I don't know. It's definitely not me. I will, I even when, no. I don't say chapter four, when I, and, I told Laura this. I go, I'm a text hoarder. I, I have our texts from like our original chain from when you first moved to Germany. And I found that you were like, do you remember what you thought when you were first reading it? And I go, do I remember? I can't even lie because I have my own receipts. And I was totally like, oh, I want to be so cherished the way Tamlin loves Feyre. And fully admittedly, when we were talking about it earlier this week, I said I had Feyre's rose-colored glasses on in that situation. And it makes complete sense when, it, you know, I've shared it back in our original episode. It makes complete sense when I had a relationship that was mirrored to that so much. And now I'm like, I was blind. I was blind. Yes. Yes. Uh, I think... I. Th- the thing that really solidified it to me here, and Jess, you pointed out to me as well during our text, was like um, after like the plot, the plot of <laughs> when when Feyre comes back from the night court the first time, I think the first time, and um, Tamlin is like, "I trashed the whole house, <laughs> sir." And I texted you. I was like, "That's not the flex you think it is." Like, what? You destroyed your house? Okay. Like, red flag 1,000. But I, he says it in such a sweet, endearing, like, she's going to love this. It's like, yes. I'm what? so sorry. I couldn't. You said. But he. how many times has he said this over and over again? It was, you know, she's communicating Hey, Tamlin, you keep doing this. It's kind of suffocating me. Maybe, maybe if you keep acting this way, you're going to push me away. She's verbally, like, there's no dancing around it. She is being direct in her communication. He, the pain explodes. It's red, drips down. Okay. Then he does another thing. And he does the whole punching of the wall. Rah, rah, rah. And then every single time it's, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. How many times, you could say you're sorry all you want, but also actions speak louder than words. So none of his actions backed up what he was saying. And even fast forward all the way to the end, it's so glaring where he does it again, where he's like, come, Feyre, we are going. And then he follows up with that saying, well, I don't care if you're mates, she's mine. It's all about her being property. And then he tries to, he goes to grab her. Yeah. In in that, like, we just finished this, like, right before we started recording. Uh, Tamlin lunges for her. He was going to grab her and, like, forcibly take her. And she went out. Yeah, before before she came up with the plan to, like, do what she did. 
it's just I, 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 I can see where people want to see the best in him. I can see that. And I do understand that he has his own issues to get through. And in the beginning, they do like kind of like Sarah does kind of point that out. You know, he shifts into his beast form, blah, 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 blah. But also he like doesn't wake up when she's throwing up. Okay, sir. And and like it just treat, treat, treats her just like complete ass. But um, here's another little opinion of mine. Lucian is not her friend. No. He's not her, he's not her friend here. Um uh, maybe he becomes her friend like a little bit later on, but here um but that is that is a tricky thought to to me though because like when we say actions speak louder than words, he is the only one that speaks up for her, Lucian, but like he does to a point though and she brings that up too. She isn't Pharaoh, but I guess also Sarah. Bring that up too where Pharaoh's in, internal dialogue she's saying, "Look, like he was fighting for me to, as much as he could, but he always yielded is what she said. She, he always yielded to Tamlin and Lucian would always say, um, we, we need order. We need to show a united front and to give, you know, and you know, now that we've read all the ones that we've read, you wonder also probably understand where he's dealing with his own trauma. He's trying to figure out his place in things. He's not with his own family. He's not with his biological dad. He's, you know, his mate was, you know, not his mate, but like the person that he loved was killed in front of him. He's just trying to find out where he fits and he feels some sort of obligation to Tamlin. But it's like when people are in relationships and you, you know, you could be, you could become friends with your significant other's friends. But when that relationship fizzles, you're not always going to stay friends with those people. And I feel like even then, Lucian is always trying to like do right by Tamlin because he's look, you know, he's he maybe there's like a people pleaser, but he's like not necessarily people, but like a Tamlin pleaser <laughs> of sorts. I just it was really glaring to me. And yeah. then like he was not he was not her friend in the beginning. And then at the end, as soon as as soon as he walked out in the throne room at the end of the book, um Lucian knew that all of that was bullshit. Like and that he was calling her out since since they were with Highburn in there since that yeah he's since like there what do you mean what how did the bond break like he was calling her out where she, even when she when when her plan was enacted she's like what's happening what's going on he goes what do you mean what's going on like he's yeah. trying to call her out on her bullshit and yeah he was like this and I picked it up at this time where he goes she's not showing concern that her sisters just fled with the people she's supposedly scared of. Yeah, and then Fair was like, oh no! <laughs> like, oh, we'll get them back! Oh! oh. <laughs> It'll be oh. <laughs> Yeah, so he, he is on to her from the moment, the moment, because it is implied that he can see through her, her glamours on her hands and stuff, so he's just like, what? What is, what, what is all this bullshit? Uh, so that, that part though, so by the end, I guess it's my point. I do appreciate Lucian because he's just like, what is this? What is this? Well, he, I love it when they're back, even when they're back in the spring court, he's trying to call her out on her yeah. shit. And she's like, Oh, oh Tamlin, oh. I never thought I'd be back here. And he's like, uh huh. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Good to know. Uh, yeah. So very, very fun. 
But Jess, I know you had just like a deep emotional reaction to this book. And I know that you had these reactions in places that were unexpected. Um, But I don't know exactly where those places were. Can you tell me? Oh, my God. I think it was just a lot of like, you know, how this book is. And there's always some standout quotes. Um, But it was the quotes. But it it was like the ones where um, you do what you love and what you need. Um, I remember what it was to want to fight to live. You forgot. He was like, you forgot. You forgot fighting. Um, And like my future was mine to decide to forge forward. It was a lot of the self-reflection in Feyre. I think because like the first time I was reading it, I was I was reading Feyre from a perspective a perspective where it was related to romance and this time I was relating it to like internal struggles and internal self journeys and all of that stuff so I feel like a lot of that and being so like what what so sure in yourself like I think that is really what made it so emotional this time around. To jump in on that, I I had a thought when I was reading this, and that is that I really love this version of Feyre, right? This growth that we have, this version of Feyre. The Akawar Feyre is fine. But after Akawar, I could like, I go hot and cold with Feyre mm-hmm. after, after Akawar. And, you know, that's fine because she's not really the main character anymore and, like, we're moving on to other books. That's fine. But I like this. And this is this is not anything about her, like, becoming a mother or, like, her pregnancy. That's fine. But, like, I like this fierce version of Feyre where she's like, no, I want to have adventures. I want to have a full life. I want to know what it's like to live with you and to rule and to, like, be highly or, – or, like, to be, like – you know, in the court and all of this stuff before we have children. And, and I like that. And just to know that it's just like, not that long after that she just kind of throws that all away, not to invalidate her choices, but like, because after the war, she wants to connect all of those things. It's the whole thing with the painting. And I I understand, I get it. I get it. But I like this version of her the best. And it is kind of a factor on why the later books don't hit as hard for me. That makes sense because you also love Feyre, you know, this Feyre, and you were hoping to kind of continue seeing that and you don't see this fierceness in her in the other books that we've had so far. Yeah, not really. You get a little bit of it in Akawar, but you 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 don't. You you don't. Um it, so that that was that was interesting to me. Uh did you have any feeling like different feelings about Nesta and Elaine this read through? I I'm on the record many not even like one episode, a multitude of episodes of saying how much I don't like Nesta with the asterisk knowing that there are a lot of things about Nesta that I don't the the things I don't like about Nesta I don't like about myself. Um felt more glaring. <laughs> here um but i think the people who stand nesta from the beginning i can see why they they 
truly like are gung ho for her. I can see that. I'm and I respect that. That being said, there are also some people who maybe it took them to Akasif to really stand Nesta. Um, that's fine too. I'm not about the stan wars for Nesta, whether you're like, I'm an original Nesta stan or I'm a later Nesta stan or they'd hate Nesta altogether. I'm not about that because the whole point to reading is to enjoy the characters in whatever capacity. And I'm saying that knowing the shit that we've talked about, Kale and Matt Donovan, like I recognize that, but I also respect people who are like, there's only one person that I won't respect, and it's probably like the Tamlin people who loves Tamlin. I'm sure that'll just, you know, that'll come into the comments or the DMs or whatever. But that is one thing that um that I just I can't get on, and that's okay too. Yeah, i i was I was a little bit I was a little bit torn. I was a little bit torn because as as Akamaf reads, Nesta and Elaine are fine. They're fine. Like Yeah, they're actually not as problematic as I felt that they were and that I remember that they were an Actar. Yeah, like they're they're fine. As they read in Akamath, I feel sympathy for them going into the cauldron. Going into the cauldron is like a, this violation of their bodies, right? Like I feel for them. Uh I I feel indifferent about Elaine. But she is the one that's you know says stuff to the to the queens, uh, you know, yeah. she, you know, you know Nesta says Nesta things, but Elaine's the one that does that. Yeah, I think I completely forgot about how involved Elaine was until this reread of her being the most vocal one, and even her sticking up for Nesta, saying like, "My sister's talking. Excuse you." Like she had more of a voice than I remember. Again, maybe it's just because of the saturation and us joking, you know, us as a community joking about her character. Um, but she really did. I, I didn't pick up. I just didn't remember all of that until this reread. I thought she was just a silent partner the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's the thing. So like when I was reading this, I was really trying to to focus on stuff like this. The theory that I was thinking of when I was reading this is the one that like, Elaine is a changeling and that's why she has brown eyes and you know she's the the dad's favorite and like it was through him that he's that they're all actually witches and like there aren't witches so that and Did then- you see the one where they they sus- I mean this is a theory that I saw where she might not necessarily be a changeling but she's from like a mistress did you see that one where that's yeah, why she has the brown eyes where in my head I'm like I'm the only one in my family out of my siblings that have green eyes everybody else has brown eyes so yeah, I don't I, know I mean I, genetics that still made sense to me I didn't pick up on little things like that but I know the theory that you're referring yeah. to so I was thinking so like as I was reading that the, so as, as I was reading this, I was thinking that, and that is just one of those examples that um, took me a little bit out of it, as I no. said earlier in the episode, but also made me aware of the oversaturation because as you pointed out, I had forgotten that Elaine was vocal here and that she, you know, had a little bit more. And um, it, it was just like the clarification was needed because I'm... I am mixing everything and mixing everything is a detriment to the story because it bogs it down. So I will be just so grateful when Crescent City and Akatar are just both 
done so we can be done with this and just enjoy it the way that we did before they were connected. I I feel like the theories, I mean, talking it out, I know that some of the theories have impacted the end of this read. I was still crying with the high burn, but I saw a theory that said that they believed that Elaine was Tamlin's mate, not because like, oh, gardening or something, but it was related to the fact in Akatar when Lucian or when Tamlin and Feyre are together and then Reese comes in and then Lucian glamours Feyre and then he goes, oh, that's my, that's my betrothed. That's my, and he's trying to like look out for Tamlin. So somebody had, but you know, this also goes to people, you know, I, people saying like, oh, this is my theory um, of him doing the same thing with Elaine being having Elaine be Tamlin's mate. So in the Highburn scenes, I was trying to see where that connection was a little bit more to see if that had any grounds to stand on based on that scenario, comparing the two. And that was in the back of your head the whole time. Yes. Yes. Which I totally. Yeah, it was because at least with the, the Crescent City stuff, Crescent City, like related stuff, when I would, you know, screenshot and send you a picture, it was more in, along the lines of, we know this now, the correlation. I wasn't really, there, I wasn't really spinning on theories. It was just like, oh my gosh, the Book of Breathings. Now we know that's, that's in Crescent City or, oh, we know this. And, oh, the old language that must be, it might, it might be the old Fey language that we're hit, we're, we have at the end of Hosab. So it was more along those things. With the correlations, I, w- I was really trying not to to spiral with the theories with this read, except for the one that makes no sense. The the Jerry and Danica one. Ah, uh, yes. Coming back to life. <laughs> they can come back to life, come back to life. Uh, yeah, but the other here. Here's another thing, though, because I'm not I'm not shitting on all of this, obviously, obviously, and no, I'm not shitting on this. I love all of this, but. I did like seeing things like um, the symbols, you know, they're probably word marks and the rips in the universe. Okay, we know that because that's from Throne of Glass, you know. So like those connections are nice and those are fun um, because those are like canon more or less. We don't have to get like guess. We don't have to spin. We can like infer based on all of the knowledge that like, yeah, that, that's probably what it is. And I won't be – here's the other thing – disappointed because it because in the scheme of things these little connections that we're making that don't have anything really to do with relationships are not going to shift the entire world if they aren't true Mm -hmm. so it's not something that i'm just like staking my whole like personality on i'm not saying that in a mean way it's just the only word that i can think of at the moment um but like yeah yeah that's that's where i'm at could you argue that Probably. the same thing could well, yeah, I know. That's why <laughs> I'm trying to be nice about this phrasing. Gosh, um, could you argue that the same could be said said about fanfic? Again, not shitting on fanfic. We both read fanfics, but in the sense of, and we've had this conversation before. Is it fair to be upset about stories? When they go away from a fanfic or, a, you know, characteristics that we've created. Um, and then when we actually have the canon on paper and that's not and it didn't unfold the way that it went in your head. 
can we really be upset because, you know, the outcome wasn't what you wanted it to be? The question, can you get angry when it doesn't live up to the expectations that you falsely built based on a false narrative on things that aren't canon? Like, can you? Because that's like the big situation. I'm going to say like, no, no, you can't. And I'm going to expand on this. No, I'm going to say no. You cannot get mad when the story doesn't go your way because it's not your story. It's the author's story. They can do whatever they want. However, um, the author does need to be aware of like how that is going to impact the fan base, right? Because um, Divergent killed the entire dystopian genre of movies and books um, because we were so unhappy with the choice that the author made. So I I feel like you you have to be very careful, but also like, no, those are not your characters. You can write fan fiction all you want, but canon is canon. I also wonder, I mean, Sarah comes across as the person who is very like, I know what I want. Or if she hears an idea, it could be like, I see where you're going with that. I'm going to take that and put that in the back of my head of what not to do because I don't want that. So who knows if even that's what's going on with the theories. And I mean, we've had that conversation before, just like people do in like marketing brainstorm meetings where like you start piggybacking off of certain things. They're like, oh, maybe I'll take a little bit of this and I'll take a little bit of that. It's like chefs in the kitchen. They're like kind of grabbing at what's available if they're, you know, not bakers because that's more, you know, that's more of a chemistry aspect to it. But you know, cooking in the kitchen, there's a very much you have more flexibility. And I feel like that might be if if she's even on the Internet looking at us, she's very vocal about it. she's like, I don't have time for, you know, doing anything besides writing my books and writing a TV show and stuff. So Here, here's here's a point that I want to discuss. So having read having read Akamath, words on page, words on page, words on page, the theory that Reese is evil that he's actually evil and that he's going to decimate everybody. What You know what? I don't care. I'm fine with it. Even if he does, I loosely saw that and I don't think I was able to stomach it. But I think somebody, I, I saw something loosely saying like, well, if he is Damati and if he has gone in everybody's brain and has done it, I'm still okay. I'm fine. like, it's fine. I'm fine with it. It would honestly, it, you know, it's the same thing about evil Elaine, right? Like, it's it's interesting to bring it to paper and to see how it unfolds. I think that's how I am right now is to see how everything unfolds because I want nothing more than to have a throne of glass or I'm sorry, a Akatar and a Crescent City tattoo. But I'm waiting to see how it unfolds. Yes. We have to wait until the series is over. That's the rule. That's the rule. Um, it is just, it is just so interesting. And I guess, I guess you can say that like my morals do go out the window when you give me a very powerful, tall, dark and handsome man offering me ultimate power that I'm going to fold immediately in every situation, in every situation, (laughs) Kylo Ren, be queen of the universe. Yes. Say less like immediately. Yes. Uh, just all of those situations. It's just like, he doesn't have to stop speak. Like what is the full theory about? Uh, uh, about Reese being evil is that just it? it? I don't. I don't even. I don't even want to. I don't want to get get into oh, okay. it. Okay, you were the same with me. I was yeah, like, I was what? Like, I was like, I'm keeping scrolling. <laughs> um, so if you are interested in that theory, uh, please look it up. I'm not just like dissuading you from that. It's just like not something I want to like. You know, we're moving along here. We're moving along yeah. here. Uh, that that is, you know, that is 
it is what it is. Uh, so I guess, Jess, this this reread for you, obviously very emotional. We we went through a lot of things. So I'm looking through my notes and I I do do um so much appreciate every time I do read this book, even this time when I was a little bit weird, um, that Reese I love him. I love him. And people people hate him so much. And I just I just don't care. Uh and and there are valid reasons. Obviously, no one is perfect. I I know all of this, but um he knew the whole time. And that never stops being wonderful to me. And and people will bitch and be like, oh, he's just a man. Like he did this. He didn't tell her. You know, he's manipulating her. He made her, he put her in danger. He did all, all I don't care. Read through the story. Farah doesn't care either. <laughs> and, and if she doesn't care, who am I to care? I mean, I, I can't. I'm not going to disagree with you. I, I, why would I? <laughs> I you can send you vi- no because I've sent you videos this week crying, saying I don't care. He's amazing. He's known the whole time. I mean, honestly, super super emotional week. I'm drained. If anybody has like a therapist out there who like send it in the DMs because I don't know any therapist could be like mm, she's a little too into books maybe maybe she's not going to be my client um, or my patient but I, I I can't I love it so much and honestly even when more like Farah had already like worked everything out she's like I reacted emotionally let me take a step back because I'm solo in this cabin and let me think about things logically logically on paper it actually doesn't make sense how and why how he approached it why he approached it the way that he did and why he didn't tell me right away she already had and we know this based on chapter 52 53 she had already made her decision and even more came and she's like really really hear him out like he has his reasons and again Feyre said in her internal dialogue i already made peace with that and i understand but like she doesn't know this so she's just coming to me for, like as a member of the inner circle as a like a, a future family member and then reese gives her all the reasons and it was everything that we had known the whole time and that she had deduced also so i i can't i i can agree with Farah that i probably would have reacted similarly but like you knew the whole time the whole time um but then when you take a step back you're like Okay, I get it. And I kind of love you more for it because I really wasn't in the place where I would have been. She had just been turned. All her choices are taken away. And she's learning to love him. She's like, why is he all about me and my choices? I have so, this is the complete opposite of what I was given before. And I, I, I'm with Feyre. <laughs> like, I don't know what else to say. Something that was kind of annoying, kind of annoying. It was kind of annoying to me. Uh, this reread was how much more and as his relationship was like, like needled, like Farah like poked at it a lot. I didn't remember that. Yeah. But it's, it's a lot, isn't it? It's kind of like Farah chill. They said they don't want to talk about it. Like you don't really know them. Yeah. 
I'm so, I'm so glad that I'm like waiting to hear all your notes because mine have all been live reactions to you all week. So I love hearing these. Like, so it wasn't just like a one time thing because she brought it up and then she wanted to bring it as up too, but like they got interrupted. And then she brought something up with Reese and Reese is like, let it lie low. She brought it up with more a lot. And she's like, and if she wants to talk about it, I'm going to let her talk about it. And then when the conversation would lull, she would bring it back up. She's like, well, what about us? What about this? And then she was very, it did seem like she was hyper. Or when they were going off to Rita, she's like, oh, the three of them. Yeah. Like she's like hyper aware of it in kind of a weird way, which makes the revelation, the reveal, I guess, that more is gay, just like so much more like, okay. Okay. So then why did, why though? Why though so much here if reveal there? why though and this is just one of those questions it's like when this reread when it's just like damn Farah, you're really nosy just like drop it Mm -hmm. knowing knowing how sarah writes it's like what is this payoff here like the like because it's as his whole whole story arc right like this is all part of his whole story arc so what what is it and and more even brings it up here where she's like no, I'm not going to be with any of them ever again because I saw what it did to their friendship. And then she brings it up again where she was like, look, like he ne- even she goes, I could drop my clothes right in front of him and he's not going to think he's good enough for me. Like he needs to handle his own shit before any. But like it is a bigger conversation. I you know it is a bigger conversation for her, but I don't think that that's Farah's place to, no, to yeah. insert herself. Just like you're a nosy bitch, like chill. But I guess the first like times that I'm reading it, I'm reading it for romance. I'm reading it for growth. I'm reading it for like learning about the inner circle and like trying to understand their dynamics and like that's a part of it. But now knowing their dynamics as intimately as we do, it's just like wow, like stop, stop. It was just one of those little things. Another little thing I noticed is that uh, right in like the the like first chapter, as soon as Farah starts throwing up, she immediately goes to the window and opens it up to see the stars in the night sky and like feel the breeze on her face. And that's like immediate. And that was something that I haven't really picked up on before, that she did that first thing. I, you know, and we're talking about things to pick up on relating to the night sky. Nesta picks, I didn't, remember how much Nesta picks up on all of this, this book. Like, yeah, we knew that she was very strong-willed. She didn't fall for Tamlin's glamour. But even in this one, she picked up on them being together. She picked up on, she was like, this is why you painted on your drawer. Like, she was very intuitive of their relationship before a relationship was even really established. And it, I just, I, it was just, I, I didn't remember how insightful that she was, that she was like, and I guess it kind of makes sense where, you know, later, I think it was chapter 58, where now Feyre again, inserting herself with Cassian. She's like, so my sister, that was really nice of what yeah. you said. She'll never she forget really, it. Can, yeah, she'll, she'll, yeah, I really, She's just self-insert, but you know, it's funny because like a couple chapters back, she's just like more, 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 more. And now she's like, nesta, 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 nesta. Yeah, it's like, dang. But okay, okay, maybe do we make that? Okay, you know how there were some characters in previous episodes, not necessarily Akamath, that have never really had a female friendship? 
maybe this was Feyre's way. She didn't really have a friendship with her sisters because she was literally hunting from day to night. And she talks about that. She's like, she's kind of, you know, has some sort sort of resentment towards her sisters, you know, when especially, you know, when she's letting out different angers and frustrations. And Reese even says, he goes, I get it, but it's going to take a while for me to forgive them that you were the baby sister and you took care of everybody, not the other way around. Um, so maybe it was her way of being like, oh, maybe if this, maybe this is how I'm supposed to act with friends. You know, you know, I don't know. Something that you're bringing up, you're so you're bringing up like Nesta being very astute and everything and like really, um, and she does vocalize these things too. It's not like an inner monologue that we have because this is Feyre's point of view. So she's saying this stuff out loud, which I really appreciate because I was really tired and accusive of Nesta just keeping everything inside. Um, so that was, that was an interesting perspective as well, because knowing how much inner monologue Nesta actually has and how much she actually speaks so that the fact that she's speaking a lot here and, and, um, expressing herself is nice and interesting. And it makes me wonder what else she was picking up on that wasn't uh, being shared because all this to say, when they, they, when Moore and Reese and Farah meet the queens for, I believe, the first time, maybe the second time, uh, Reese is wearing a crown of raven's feathers. And I swear to f- fucking God, if that doesn't have some sort of connection to Crescent City and the raven and the white raven, whatever that is, I, because uh, we were never able to explain it. No one's been able to explain it. That's- We've asked too. We were, yeah. and we were like, okay, the White Raven. But I was like, the the White Raven, the club, yeah, plays such a small role in Crescent. I mean, obviously, it's a, it, it's a known place, but to have it on the cover, yeah, on the, and it's on, and there's a bird on the new covers of. Akamath holding the ring. So if that's a raven, then like, what, what is it? See, this is, this, this is a connection that I don't mind. Like, I like this. What does this mean? This doesn't really have anything to do with anything. This isn't a ship war. This isn't. Yeah. And even like the beast, I say this in quotes, the beast that Resand turns into, it's not like just a giant rook. Root. Yeah, yeah, but, it's not. So, so like, tell me, somebody, somebody, there's a thousand, you know, there's a million people that are smarter than me. Somebody tell me the connection because I feel like that, again, because now that we know the worlds are interconnected and we know that Sarah is purposely like doing this, then why is this here? And we know we're getting CC3 first before the next Akatar. Yeah. So and 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 Bryce is in Prithian. So like what is this connection? There has to be some you know, so I'm like gonna, I'm going to lose my shit. You know, I know we just had an episode where I was had all my my feels, my hosab feels, that, but that being said, yes to all of this. How did we feel about this female betrayal with Ianthe here? I feel like this was a little bit more stark to me this read through of Ianthe being in this bargain with Highburn before she's like friends with Feyre, right? So she's pumping Feyre full of all of this inf- information. T- 
tell me about your sisters. Tell me about them. Where are they? I didn't trust her to begin with. Mm-hmm. I one thing I do remember from my first re my first reread. My first read was like, I don't trust her. I don't fucking trust her. And I still didn't. I thought it was she was too fake. She was too much. And by the time that Feyre picked up on all of it, it was too late. And she picked up on it obviously after she left the spring court. But then for it to be like, and it, it just maybe it, she felt like it was multiplied because she really did feel like Feyre thought she was her friend. I didn't trust her for a second. Yeah, Feyre thought she was really her friend and that she was helping her and like guiding her and like really wanted to know. But it was all for Ianthe's benefit anyway. Yeah, yeah, it was all for her benefit because like she was in a deal with Highburn to take down the High Lords and like rule the priestesses, like which in theory, like cool, but like not here in this exact situation. Like, no, we're not about that. Well, how about now that we're talking about betrayals where Tamlin and Lucian were all like, they made a bet with the bad guy and then are surprised that the bad guy had an ulterior, like, they were like, what? What did you think was going to happen? I mean, even everything being said, Pharaoh was even like, Put all the put all our personal shit aside. Him? This is where you're going? And for such a stupid reason. He like he just Tamlin is so toxic. He just wanted Farah back. He didn't Not because he loved her. He, he yeah. just like she's mine. Yeah. That was what the line was. It wasn't like I miss you, I love you, I was worried. No, he was like in a pissing contest. Yeah, and and he's he, uh, he's just like obviously he's the worst. But the possessiveness and and the the disregard when everything comes out. But also it's just like who do you think you are, my dude? Like, you're going to go, like, what, the enemy of my enemy is my friend, but but my my new friend wants to take over my country, but it's cool because I'll have my girlfriend back. But, like, what? And then he was already making arrangements for Feyre. Like, oh, well, now you have to obey me also. Like, that's what the King of Highburn, well, it could, oh, what is that? King of Highburn says, your master, she'll, she's going to work for me because that's what your master had agreed upon. He says the word master. It's it's so gross. But even then, like Lucian is, uh, because I I wrote a note to it. As soon as they show up uh, and Tamlin starts like walking towards like, um, like Feyre and everybody, Lucian stops him. Lucian's like, nah, nah, something is not right. Something's not right. And Tamlin, and it, it, it said, like, Tamlin is, is not there. He's just, like... He's just in, like, white rage or something. Yeah, yeah. He's in his, like, you know, this color person, what you know, rage situation. And he's punching walls, taking names, and doesn't care who he had to hurt to get his prize back because his pride is hurt. And I swear to God, sorry, I am mad about this. People that apologize for him... He is still just a depressed piece of shit in Aka, in Aka War 2. Like, like he, Reese goes, right? Or no, in, 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 in. Akasif. Akasif. He's still like that. He's, he's like a fully like in that. his beast form. But, you know, I will say, like, if we want, okay. So I will say that I, like, 
Feyre made a lot of allowances for him, even after she was under the impression that they broke up. Um, she said, look, he still needs, like, she recognized he's problematic. He has his own shit. And even when he does get his own shit taken care of, I'm a completely different person. And, you know, and she acknowledges it. And I do, I, I appreciate that that is recognized and that I picked up on that this reread to be like, look, you know, because I know that a big part of the conversations are people are like, oh, everybody's traumas are different. Everybody handles the tra- their traumas different. Yes, valid. I'm not negating any of that. That being said, how each of us handles our traumas and how we choose to heal from them or not heal, that shouldn't be forced upon how another person is healing from their trauma. So... That's the part where I don't understand. Well, he's, you know, he's dealing. Okay, let's, he is. But Feyre even recognizes that and says, but that's not going to, you know, how he chooses and how he handles it. I'm already a different person. You know, I hope yeah. all is well. I I hope the best for him, but the best isn't going to, isn't going to include me anymore. And it's not her responsibility. She's no. not, she is not responsible for like his well-being. Like she's not his mother obviously like she that's not her job and and i do feel like that conversation isn't had enough like it's it's like no it's like that toxic ex that is like oh i'm going to do this if you break up with me that's that situation it's like i am not responsible for you like you need help i you need help and that's the other thing too is like tamlin doesn't make any sort of effort that we the reader are aware of to do anything to help anyone, not not even himself, but like his lands, his people, his house, any of it, any of it. It's just, oh, it is just so frustrating. It is so, I'm just so frustrated. Up until current day, like yeah. up until current day, like it's not a, like Lucian's not there anymore. He like, you know, everybody, I mean, he has disregarded everybody to the entire point where they used the spring court as a meeting ground it's a fucking joke and he then wants to put blame on other people he doesn't want to take any accountability he's like oh i lost my land i lost my people because of what favor did no you did that you did it to yourself and also she gave you a warning if you do this i will do you know if you do a i will do b and he did a and she did b and he's like she's like i don't know what to tell you I warned you, you did it to yourself. Yes, you did it to yourself. You did it to yourself. Uh, Jess, I have a question for you. My question for you is, are you still, still able to fall in love with Reese all over again? Oh my God. Yes. How could, like, it's, you know, I finished reading and right before we started recording, all I could think of is, how many more, how much more Akhtar merch can I get? How much more, but like, how do you, you know, I get, I get to each their own. I naturally just want to be like, how can you not love Reese? Everybody has their own person that they're going to fall for. Um, but I love, Reese. like, I might like him more now. I think sometimes you need the rereads, you need the refreshers. Maybe it's a great way to reread to be like, you know what? Maybe, maybe I don't, I didn't like him as much as I thought I did. But this one, I mean, 
my eyes hurt. I have lash holes for the amount of crying that I did. I have a fill on Wednesday. So <laughs> he's just, people want to say he's morally gray. Okay. Um, but he, I, I don't know. I think it would also be naive to think that not everybody is morally gray because don't we have, don't we all have our own reasons for doing something? I mean, unless you're actually evil. It is easy, in my opinion, to fall in love with Reese, uh, especially in a reread when you know what you know. Uh, even even if you just have a reread of Akamath, even if you finish Akamath and then you start at the beginning and then you read it through again, you're just like, oh, well, this is lovely. Especially, I do think, because this book ends on a cliffhanger and it ends on an empowering cliffhanger and you're like, oh my God, oh my God, I need to know what happens now. Like now, so you're excited and you have this like high, which is something that Sarah does and just that you spoke about so nicely in our um, like one year birthday episode when you were talking about like uh, reading Hosab and that oh, our feeling second, our two at year? the okay. end. Yes. Yeah. And our feeling at the end where it's just like, oh my gosh, like, wow, everything is just like bam, 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 bam. But like the meat of it isn't there. Uh, that's the opposite here, where it's like at the end, you're just like, bam, bam, bam. And the meat is still so, so wonderful and and still so, so powerful. Like I was on my walk this morning, which is like, like uh, going up the mountain. So I was like trying not to like, <laughs> you know, breathe. But like I had like tears coming down my face. It is still so moving. And we feel everything that Farah feels. And well, I, you know, we do, you you and I. Um it is just so, so powerful. And all that to say, me personally, even with the oversaturation that I have mentioned throughout the episode, even with, um, you know, the conversations about fan fiction, again, we are pro fan fiction here, um, all of that, all of these conversations, I am still able to be moved by this book. I'm still able to uh, love this book, to recommend this book, to want to be there, right? I, I want to go to there. That is... I would still give it all up. Yeah, like immediately. And not like, a oh, I'll give it all up to go to Valeris. No, I would give it all up to be part of the inner circle, to be a part of that specifically. Yes. And uh, I am thinking about this because we were talking about our favorite uh, reads of the year, uh, again, in our birthday episode for this past year. And I was saying that uh, I was thanking you for introducing me to Shatter Me because I was able to feel a part of something bigger than myself and that I haven't really felt that since Harry Potter. Uh, I'm going to say now that Akatar is the first time that I really wanted to go to that place the same way that I felt when I was a child and I wanted to go to Hogwarts right? That same yeah. like magical swept up feeling. I am still able to get that after this reread of Akamath, after everything that I know about it, still take me to Prithian, still mm -hmm. take me there. I will still go because I want to have that experience and to be part of that like magical feeling. And that is what people really talk about when they talk about Akatar is like, like just with you too, it's like, that's the book that got them back into reading mostly during the pandemic. Um, and I think that even though people will shit on it, that fact, like that sentence, like Akatar, Akamath, 
got me back into reading is so, so important, no matter how you feel about the books. Oh, absolutely. I think, and I think for me, even, and even if it's not just back into reading, if it's exploring different genres, I have a coworker, I think I had mentioned, she started reading this and she was like, I've never considered fantasy in my entire life. Um, I didn't think books could impact you the way that they did. I mean, I was just strictly in contemporary romance and biographies prior to um, Laura introducing this fantasy genre. I mean, killing two books a day, like I just wasn't, which was fine. I wasn't emotionally invested in thinking um, and wanting more. Which is fine. Everybody has their own books that they want to read. Maybe you just want to use it for escapism and you don't want to think, you know, all reading is valid. I don't care how people choose to read as long as I think if you if you're able to read, I think that everybody's, you know, you're just as fortunate. But this, it just it's so much bigger. Like I love I yeah, we grew up in the Harry Potter era, but I'd take I take Akatar, you know, SJM universe Akatar over Harry Potter any day, any any day, any day, any day. Uh, so magical. Do you, despite everything that like being taken out of the book, appreciating the book, enjoying this, do you feel like it hits harder every time you read, or does it just depend on like where you're at at a certain point in your life? Because I think that happens when we've discussed that in previous rereads too. Yes. Um, the latter. Every time will be different, right? Because like um, like I mentioned in the beginning of the episode, my note says like, damn, Farah, that's some emo shit, right? Like I've never had that reaction before, ever. But I'm just like, it, it hit weird. And it took me, because I was a little frustrated with Farah because I just wanted to get to the good part. Right. Mm -hmm. I wanted to get out of her sadness and get out of the toxicity and to get away from Tamlin and the suffocating. Like they do make it as like a suffocating spring court and like a cloying spring court just to get out of there and to get to like the mountains and the freedom and to get to Reese and to the starlight to get to all of that. So in the beginning, I was just like, oh my God, you're sad. We get it. (laughs) I also didn't realize that she, at this point, I picked up on it, I guess, more. She had only gone to the night court twice at this point. Mm-hmm. And it was the third time, you know, and I guess like because she's left by herself so often in the spring court, you hear how often she's like, I did my exercises. I did like, but really when it came down to it, she had only been to the, to the court, night court twice. Yeah. Like two weeks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's all, and that's all it took for her to be like, this sucks. <laughs> I hate it here. <laughs> I don't want to be here anymore. It's just, you know, it's 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 all very interesting. Um, so yeah, like your mindset does impact it, but I do feel like the parts that hit hard are gonna hit hard no matter your mindset. Like you, if you take the time to read, um, so I, I did this through audio. I've only done this through audio. Of course, I have hard copies that I love, but uh, when you take the time to read and to really just like get in that mindset. Like fifty four is is the superior chapter, you know. Uh, I I do have to say the 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 inn and the one bed trope. Some some of it, I was like, is this cringy or am I just like 
do I need to go touch grass? Like, is it? And, and, and I did, I just had to go outside, like touch grass and, and to like reevaluate and be like, no, I really do like this. I like their chemistry. I like the situation. I like the, the, the hand, like all of it. Um, and, and I do think it is helpful to disconnect a little bit too. Um, so that your, your, your mindset isn't as influenced, um, because you can make yourself hate something. You can, like, you can make, you can make yourself hate something and that sucks. And like, life is hard. So why make something worse? Especially when it's something that you know you loved. You loved the in like, I think it was one of your top scenes. You loved the end. You loved 54 and the night court scene 47, I want to say. Um, that was one of your favorite. You were like, that's one of your favorite scenes. Yeah, the in, night court the scene book. is by far. The night court. It's like night court scene. Um, 54 and the end or like your top or in your top five, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and, you know, the, the night court scene still hit, you know, now we have, and here is something to say positive about the um, saturation that is going on. Um, the bring the lions out music when they're walking <gasps> down, you know, yes! like that is wonderful. Like that I... is a glorious addition. Oh, absolutely. I stopped what I was doing. I pulled it up and I played it when they were walking in. I was like, this, I mean, if there's any, oh, yeah. and if you go to the website, um, it's the, it's chapter 47, 47, 48, one of the two. And there's a part where they go, you know, more is about to introduce them. If you, and if you go to the paragraph where they talk about as and Cassian, like that line, press play at 45 seconds. This is what I did. And it's, dramatic like it's a moment and this is the only for and this is the first one god knows when i get to the the one in the aka war scene um when i eventually do a reread for that and the akasif scene when i do a reread for that like it's going to be absolutely like it just hits every time and let's also add the oversaturation has added more fan art to the community like more artists are coming out and just bringing the scenes that we love to life like, it's so wonderful. It's so exciting to see other people get excited about it. It is. And for the merch, because uh, there was a time <laughs> when we were all struggling for merch. And now there is a lot and a lot of high quality merch. So we do love that. Um, so just did you enjoy this? Was this enjoyable? It was absolutely enjoyable. I'm going to try not to cry because it's been really emotional. But I'll tell the listeners what I told you, that this was a wonderful idea to revisit. And I can't believe that there was ever a point in my life that I didn't listen to you. <laughs> oh, do we ever do? No, that never existed. No, that never, that time never existed. No, no, because listeners, if you've been with us since the beginning, you know, like this was a struggle. This was a struggle to get here um, for just like, as we have said in our like first kind of episode, our intro episode, like fantasy is a hard sell. Faye's a hard sell. So this is the book that started everything because Jess could not stop talking about this book and the feelings that she were, the, oh wait, all the feelings you felt and like big feel like big it would feelings. be seven, seven o'clock in the morning for me, five o'clock in the morning for you when we started because you know you were kind of all over the place um when we were both like traveling kind of thing also um you you know 
you were a soldier. 5 a.m., you were ready to go to talk about this book that you had been loving for years, years. And finally, you were like somebody to talk to. Oh my God, somebody, you know, finally. And now, and now we have our little, our, the, the thing that spurred it all. The thing that spurred it all. And there's honestly, so much more to come to for us. Like this is our hundredth episode. I am very excited to see where our next hundred will take us, honestly. Thanks so much for joining us for this really special episode. Thank you. Thank you for being with us this far. Or even if you're just joining, there's so much more to go back on. Feel free to follow us on Instagram, Akafe Podcast. We're also both on TikTok, Akafe Laura and Akafe Jessica. We can't thank you enough. Uh, and we'll, we hope to talk to you all soon. Bye. Bye.